Good morning. I hope everyone is doing well. And um, it is not very often that we actually get to end a year in church. But today is the only time in history that this will happen. Today is one, two, three, one, two, three. You think about that? <laughs> nope, but it is. 12, 31, 23. Isn't that one, two, three, one, two, three? But it, you know what? That's not why we're here today. Just have a couple of announcements to share with you, and then we'll start our service together. First of all, I am not Chad. Uh, Chad has had issues with his blood pressure again and was in the ER until 1 o'clock this morning, so he is not here this morning. He is at home in bed, so uh, just be pray for him. But here are the announcements. We do not have service Wednesday night. It is the last night of the Christmas break for our teenagers and, and children, so spend it at home with your family. We will resume regular scheduled services on um, the 10th. Well, we'll have regular service next Sunday, of course, but the 10th we'll have Bible study and uh, prayer meeting that night. So please be here for that on, the, on Wednesday the 10th. But before that, next Saturday, next Saturday, There he is, back there. Breakfast. Next Saturday, 7 to whenever they sell out. Um, all you can eat. And I'm going to say something. And it'll probably make some people mad. But church, we have not more people that do not attend this church come to breakfast than we have people that attend this church. We need to change that and come support our Baptist men and the missions efforts that they're doing in WMU and come and support these breakfasts. Yeah, you can go home. After you eat, after you get your belly full, you can go home and go back to bed. That's what you do anyway. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm going to do this afternoon after I get my belly full from lunch. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to bed. Take a nap. There ain't nothing on TV worth watching, so just... Yeah, like I said, there's nothing off TV worth watching. So, but next Saturday, come and, sh and, and support the Baptist men for breakfast. And then um, come on the 10th for Bible study, youth Bible study, everything. The adult Bible study, we're going to continue our study of Daniel in here. And, and we just really hope that you guys have a good new year. The office will be open Monday, regular hours, right, Nancy? Regular hours this week. It's not going to be closed. So anything you need, please call the office. And I believe that's the... Joy, do you want to make an announcement? Sandra is going to make an announcement. I'm so excited. <laughs> we were going to... Uh, we, you can still give to Lottie Moon. Um, you can give to this any time of the year. Our goal was $5,000, and as of this moment, 
you have given $5,640.42. So we can... You have really done a great part in being able to spread the word of God everywhere in this world. So thank you so much for that. One last announcement. If you are visiting with us today and this is your first time visiting, if you wouldn't mind filling out one of those visitor's cards that you see in front of you, there should be pens there. And just as we take up offering later in the service, um, place it in the offering plate or even drop it by our visitor center after the service. We would greatly appreciate that. We don't want anything from you. We just want to have a record of your attendance and see if there's anything that we can do for you, anything that we can pray with you about. But thank you for being here. And at this time, um, if you would join me in prayer, do need to give you a couple of updates. Continue to pray for Mike and Diane Jolly. Mike has been in the hospital since Christmas Eve. Yesterday was a really bad day for him. He was not doing good at all yesterday. He really hasn't eaten anything since he has been in the hospital. He'll take a bite or two, and that's it. Um, yesterday, he wouldn't open his eyes or, or, or talk or much of anything. I stopped by there this morning before I came to church, and as soon as I opened, opened the door to his room, his eyes were open, and he was looking at me and talked to me the entire time I was there even picked at me and gave me a little bit of a hard time, which uh, I'd be worried, more worried about him if he didn't do that. But he, he really does need your prayer. The plan is, is that he will go to rehab, but they're waiting on some more test results to come back to know exactly what's going on. So continue to pray for him. And on top of that, Diane has the flu. And she is running herself ragged. She's not taking the time just to sit and rest. So continue to pray for her as well. And then continue to pray for Doyne. He is back with us today after his, his surgery. And you have already started treatment? We start okay, so... Okay. But you start on, I guess that would be the 8th. Okay. He starts his, his chemo and radiation on the 8th. So continue to pray for him. Continue to pray for Rick Stowe as well. And pray for everybody that has got this crud. It is everything from COVID to the flu to sinus congestion, ear infections. So please pray for everybody because it is one of these times that it is really... Bad, and it sticks with you for a long time. Even after you're sick and you get better, you're, it's still there. So please be in prayer for that. Now at this time, will you please join me in prayer as we begin our time together. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you praising your name. Dear Lord, <clears throat> it is so good to be in your house. To end this year in your house as we begin a new year. Dear Lord, we ask that you bless this time, that you move among your people, dear Lord, that you rekindle in us the fire and the joy of your salvation. Dear Lord, you have heard the names mentioned today of those that are sick in the hospital dealing with, with, with physical things. 
cancer, illness, the flu. Lord, I ask that each one of those people that we've mentioned that you will wrap in your arms. Lord, we know for a fact that their faith is in you. And Lord, we ask that you fill them with your presence, with the peace that only you can, and that you strengthen your, their bodies. Dear Lord, there are others that have not been mentioned that are dealing with things, that have loved ones that are, are dealing with things. Dear Lord, I ask that you work in each and every one of those way, th- issues as only you can. That your name be glorified through it all. Now today, dear Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, I pray that you have your way with us. That when we leave this place today, that we will know that we have been in the house of the Lord and in the presence of God Almighty. May everything that is done and said here today be to your honor and glory. And we ask all of this in the holy and precious name of our living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our call to worship, Emmanuel, page 82. Would you stand, please? giving our gifts of tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege and the honor that we have to give back to you a small portion that you have blessed us with. I ask that you bless this gift, bless the giver, for it is your holy name, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. It's the name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand again as we sing Joy to the World, page 87. We'll sing the first and the fourth verses.
taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, grateful chorus praise we, let all within us praise his holy Thank you, choir. If you notice this, the title of the sermon, Set in Stone, most of you know I am not a big proponent of New Year resolutions. I don't like resolutions, I don't make New Year's resolutions. And I will tell you why. Because most people that make New Year's resolutions 
by January 2nd have already broke all those resolutions that they made on, on New Year's Eve going into the 1st. I know this because of my time at the Y. You guys realize that gym memberships skyrocket January 1st. And the majority of those people that join gyms somewhere by the middle of January have already canceled their membership. Resolutions don't mean anything. But I'm telling you this, as Christians, our decisions, how we act, what we do, where we head, need to be set in stone. They need to be firm. So, if you notice this picture here, there is a stack of rocks. There's actually 12 rocks in that stack. And if you... And that's significant... But if you will turn to Joshua chapter 4, I'm going to read some verses for you that will explain this whole idea of being set in stone. And then we're going to look at it a little bit deeper today. So if you would turn to Joshua chapter 4, I'm going to read the first four or seven verses of this chapter. And if you would stand in, the, in honor of the reading of God's Word, and this is what we see recorded here in Joshua. Joshua chapter 4, starting in verse 1, going through verse 7, says this, Now it came about when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourself twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here out of from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord, for your God in, into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you may say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the, of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Let's pray. The Lord, thank You for what we see recorded here in the book of Joshua. Thank You for Your faithfulness. Your Lord, help us to understand what it means to be set in stone. Bless the reading of Your Word. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Okay, at this point in time, what is going on is that the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness has finally ended. The entire generation of people that stood against them taking the land of promise. You remember the 12 spies went into the land 
And they came back telling them that it was everything that God had promised it to be. But ten of those spies says there are giants in the land. We can't do this. Two, Joshua and Caleb said, no, yes, this place is full of giants, but God promised this to us and we can take it because God is with us. But the people sided with the ten that said, no, we can't do this. This is too much. We can't do it. It doesn't matter if God promised this to us. So God punished them by making them take a 10-day trip and stretching it into 40 years of wandering in the desert until every single one of that generation that rejected God's command was gone. And so, these people that are about to enter into the promised land were not the same ones save two. Joshua and Caleb. That left Egypt. You guys realize that? Not a single person that left Egypt that were the adults. That generation is gone. They no longer exist. And God is leading a new generation into the promised land, fulfilling His promise at the end of those 40 years. But on top of that, when God finally takes them to the point to cross the Jordan River into the promised land, it is at flood stage. What would normally be a hundred yard crossing, the river normally is at a hundred yards. At flood stage, it is a mile wide of raging water. And that's what the children of Israel are looking at. And God shows another fulfillment of His promise by telling them, priest, take the Ark of the Covenant. Go out into the middle of the river and wait. Now you talk about a test of faith. These priests are leading the people. And the moment that first priest steps his foot into the edge of that water to start crossing, guess what happens? Come on, you guys know what happened. The water stops. Where has that happened before? When they left Egypt... Now, I've told you many times that there's a lot of theologians and I've had professors even tell me this when I was in school. It really wasn't the Red Sea that they crossed coming out of Egypt. It was the Reed Sea. And you've heard me say this many times, which is the bigger miracle, that God parted the Red Sea and let the people walk across on dry land or that He drowned the entire army of, of Egypt in six inches of water. Which is the biggest miracle? But I'm going to tell you something else. You know what they're finding in the Red Sea? The, the archaeologists? They're finding Roman chariots and stuff like that down in the bottom of the Red Sea. How did they get there? Well, read Exodus. It tells us how they got there. But the moment that priest set his foot 
an act of faith down into that water, it parted. And those priests walked out carrying the Ark of the Covenant out into the middle of that mile-wide river and they stopped and they stood there while the entire nation of Israel walked across on dry land into the promised land, fulfilling the promise of God. And God says once all the people got across, it, He tells him, He tells Joshua, get 12 guys to go back to the middle where the ark is standing and grab two stones. 12 stones. Now this is the thing. What does Joshua say? He doesn't tell them to pick up a little pebble, does he? Literally in these verses that we just read, he says, pick up a stone and put it on your shoulder. So these aren't little tiny rocks that you can put in your pockets. This is something that is taking effort to pick up and you've got to carry it up on your shoulder. So big rock. Big stone. And they go out there and get it. And he tells them, set it up. Put them in the place that you stay tonight for a memorial. So that when your children ask what these stones mean, they don't mean anything else to anybody else. Everybody else around, look at that, and they just see a pile of rocks. But to the children of Israel, It'll be a memorial that God led you into the promised land. That in the sight of the Ark of the Covenant, the river was stopped and we crossed over into the promised land. Now here are some things that we need to take from this Scripture. We, as God's people, we need to make sure that our remembrance of who God is, is set in stone. God is not a benevolent grandfather that's sitting there giving us everything that we want. The problem with that is, is that if that's your picture of God, the moment He does not give you what you want, he no longer exists to you. God is also not a puppet maker that pulls the strings and makes us do everything and controls us all. That's not who God is either. God is also not a creator that wound us up and lets us go and leaves us to our own devices. That is not who God is. So who is God? Well, look at Exodus chapter 3. This is where this whole journey started with Egypt and coming out of Egypt. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. This is at the burning bush. And then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The Lord God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am 
who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. From this point on, all generations of the children of Israel would know God by this personal name. This name that it's similar to the transliteration of the name that we know Him by. Yahweh. A personal name. I am who I am. It has, God has no beginning. He has no ending. He is all-inclusive. He is because He is. We must Remember that God is who God is. And he, us believing in Him does not give Him power. He has power whether we believe it or not. And I hate to break this to you. We are the creation. We have no power over the Creator. We don't. The last time I checked, I could not create anything by just saying, I want there to be a Cinnamon roll. It's not going to happen. I can't say, I want my daughter to have a baby, which she is, and I'm so excited, but I can't say, I want my daughter to have a baby and her have a baby. It's not going to happen. I do not have that power. But God, <laughs> God can say, let there be light. And guess what happens? Boom, light. He can breathe life into things. I can't do that. When we think all is hopeless, God brings hope. We cannot do that. So we must remember, and it must be set in stone, and we must be firm about our belief and our remembrance of who God is. When we fail to remember who God is, guess who we put in it's His place? Us. The problem we have in society today is the same as people had in the problem in society then. The same problem that Israel faced time and time and time again is they forgot who God was. We need to remember and set it in stone who God is. He is Yahweh. I am who I am. No one is higher. He is the God of gods. He is the King of kings. He is the creator. He is the master. He is the provider. He is our hope. We need to remember who God is. And the second thing, our remembrance of what God has done needs to be set in stone. You need, sometimes we forget the past. And this is what bothers me so much about these preachers that say we need to distance ourselves from
from the Old Testament that the Old Testament is the Old Covenant and we're under the New Covenant and we don't need to study the Old Testament anymore. What I say to that is this. Is that we cannot fully understand the New Covenant without understanding the Old Covenant. We cannot understand what God is doing in the New Testament until we understand what God did in the Old Testament. We can't understand the future without understanding the past. We have to remember what God has done. There is no getting rid of it. Listen, getting rid of statues and memorials and everything doesn't change anything. It just makes it possible to repeat the past. Because when we forget what's happened, we're bound to repeat it. So we have to remember what God has done. <clears throat> Look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Now, now remember, up until this point, Moses had been leading the people of Israel out of Egypt through the 40 years of wandering. Well, Moses is now no more. And so, the mantle of responsibility and leadership has been placed on the shoulders of Joshua. One of those two spies that came back and said, God told us to take it, let's take it. Okay? So look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1-9. through nine. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all these, this people to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. Just as I spoke to Moses from the wilderness and, and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and all as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory." No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God well, is with you wherever you go. In this, God is telling Joshua to remember. To remember how God worked through Moses. How Moses struggled and how God overcame. To remember back when God shook the mountain because Israel said, how come you're always the one talking to God? Why don't he talk to us? You remember that? And God said, okay, if they want to hear me talk, I'll let them hear me talk. Bring them up to the bottom of the mountain. 
Don't let them touch the mountain, but bring them to the bottom of the mountain. And Moses said, okay, you guys asked for it. All you children of Israel, come surround the bottom of this mountain. And as they got close to that mountain and they surrounded the entire people of Israel, surrounded that mountain, God said, okay, here I go. And he started talking. And all the children of Israel heard was thunder and saw the mountain shake and lightning. And it scared them so bad, they begged Moses to tell God to stop talking. And Moses is just sitting back, you asked for it? God's telling Joshua to remember that. He's telling him to remember how he parted the Dead Sea. He's telling him to remember how he brought them water, how he brought them food, how the walls of Jericho fell. He's telling him to remember all of it. And then he gives him a warning. And he says, don't walk away from my commands. Live by the law that I have given through Moses. Don't turn from the right or to the left, but stay in its way. And if you stay in your way, in my way, what does he promise him? That you will be prosperous. That every place you place your foot will be yours. That nobody will be able to stand against you. Hmm. What does Paul say? If God is with us, who can stand against us? We have to remember what God has done. We have to be strong and courageous and realize that when He tells us to do something, it's not been something new. He has been faithful the entire time. You remember those priests? He didn't part the Jordan River until they actually had enough faith to put their feet in the water. And once they put their feet, started to put their feet in the water. You remember Abraham? When he finally got the son that God had promised him, he tells him to go take him up on top of the mountain and sacrifice him to me. Abraham didn't understand. But he did it. And it wasn't until his hand was raised up and starting to come down that God said stop. And God provided His own sacrifice by a ram that was caught in a thicket by its horns. Remember what God has done. The third thing we have to do is our faith of what God has promised to do needs to be set in stone. Our faith must be set in stone. When God makes a promise, He is not like us. We promise things all the time and don't fulfill them. God's not like us. And we need to have the faith that is unshakable like a rock. Because look, Joshua 21 verses 43 through 45. So the Lord gave Israel all the land which He had sworn to give them to their fathers. 
And they possessed it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side according to all that He had sworn to their fathers. And no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel. What's that next word? Not one of His promises failed. All came to pass. Now think about this. Jesus promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus promised, I have to go away. But if I go away, I will come back to get you. By remembering the past, we understand that God kept all His promises. Which means that God's going to keep all His promises. So when Jesus says that if you belong to Me, no one can pluck you from your hand. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is nothing, I hate to tell this to you guys, We can't walk away from our salvation. If you claim to know Jesus Christ as your your Savior, and you can turn your back on Him and walk away from Him and stay there and say that you're happier than you've ever been, guess what? I'm going to say it. You were never saved in the first place. You didn't know my Jesus Because personal experience tells me when you walk away from Jesus, you're miserable. I've tried it. Listen, I got my feelings hurt in church. And I said, I've had enough of this and I walked away. And I was miserable. And you know what? I didn't get happy again until I finally told God, okay, I've had enough. I got to get back where you want me. What is it? Where do you want me? What do you want me to do? And the moment I started doing what God wanted me to do and going where He wanted me to go and being with Him was when I started getting happy again. Why is that? Because Jesus said, once I have you in my hand, there is no one. There is no power in heaven and earth that can take you from me. And the only place that we are comfortable, the only place that we want to be is with Him. He promises us that He's going to come back and get us. Oh. That is why we don't need to worry. The war in the Ukraine, the war in Israel, We don't need to worry about those things. Why? Because the Bible tells us that all this stuff's going to happen. And there is nothing new under the sun. Listen, Satan can't devise new ways of doing things. Satan does not have the power to create. He can just transform. What God meant as a blessing, Satan has a way of transforming it into a curse. 
But you know what? You remember back in Job? Could Satan do anything to Job without God's permission to do it? And what is the one thing that God told Satan he could not do to Job? You can't take his life. Satan threw all kinds of stuff at Job and Job stayed firm. His friends turned against him. His wife turned against him. He lost everything that he had. And he stayed set in stone in his faith on the promise that God had made. And when it was all over, Job had never cursed God. Questioned Him. But then God blessed him. Literally, with better friends, a better wife, more than he ever had before. Let me tell you something. We all struggle here on earth. I've got diabetes. I've got high blood pressure. I've got arthritis. I can't see and now I'm deaf. But you know what? There's going to come a day. Jesus promised that all that's going to be gone. And I am going to be made perfect. Not just my salvation, but my body is going to be made whole when I stand before my Savior. That's His promise to us. All of us. I'm not going to need the hearing aids. I'm not going to need the glasses. Tara is going to be able to hear every word that comes out of Jesus' mouth. Because He promised. And our faith in that promise needs to be set in stone. Then fourth, our commitment to follow God needs to be set in stone. We cannot be wishy-washy. I saw something the other day. It was shared by, by a friend of mine. And when they, when they shared this, it just clicked. We cannot claim to be the bride of Christ and be the side chick for Satan. You think about what that just said. The Bible calls us, all those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, to be the bride of Christ. We, as the church, we that make up the church of born again, saved, washed in the blood believers, are the bride of Christ. And we can't claim to be the bride of Christ and then running around with everything that Satan wants us to do. We can't dangle our foot in the ways of the world and still be considered the bride of Christ. It's got to be one or the other. It can't be both. So our commitment, our commitment to our Savior, our commitment to God 
has to be set in stone. It has to stand the, the test of time so that when our children look at it, they can remember what God has done. Joshua 24, 14-15 Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is one of the last things that Joshua said to the children of Israel while they were in the promised land. Make a commitment. Choose you. Choose today who you're going to serve. I'm going to issue that same challenge. Church, we are ending another year. Getting ready to start a brand new year. 365 days. And I'm asking you as a church, who are you going to serve? I'm asking you to set a memorial in your life, set in stone of who God is, what He has done, your faith in His promises, and your commitment to serve Him. Listen, there could be somebody in this room right now that God is calling to the ministry and you have not accepted that call. There is maybe somebody in here that God is calling to the mission field, but you're scared of going. There may be somebody in here that God is telling you need to make a change in your life. You may, he may be telling you you need to change jobs. He may be telling you that you need to stay away from certain group of friends. I don't know. I can't tell you what God is telling you. But if you will listen, God will speak to you. What I am telling you is that now is the time to set that commitment, to set it in stone that you're going to follow Him, that you're going to live for Him, and that you're going to let Him use you to change lives around you. Think about this. All of us are here today because of a little baby that was born in a manger. And 12 men that understood 
the commitment that they had made to Christ. And when they met face to face with their risen Savior, it turned the world upside down. Those 12 men, when Jesus died and was buried, they were hiding out. They were scared. Everything that they knew was gone. But the moment He appeared to them, in that room. And he told them, fill my hands. Touch my side. They were there on the day of Pentecost. When the promised comforter came and they began to preach and Philip preached a sermon and 5,000 people. Not Philip, Peter preached the sermon. But 5,000 people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior that day. These same men that faced death willingly because of their Savior. That's the commitment that I'm asking you to make. That's the commitment that I am asking you to set in stone today. To follow Jesus Christ. Whatever it is God's telling you to do. Wherever God is leading you. Don't leave this place without getting that set. As we sing this song of invitation. Now is your opportunity. Would you stand as we sing hymn number 405, Have Faith in God.
Well, I ask you to do something as we end this year, and I have not done this before, but I'm going to ask that everyone come down to the altar and bend a knee as we end this year and pray for God to bless this new year as we dismiss our service. If you'd come down to the front. If you can, if you can't, don't worry about it. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come to you, dear Lord. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done, for the promises that you have kept. Dear Lord, 30 years ago, you called this church to be a church. And dear Lord, we have had our ups and downs, but you have blessed us through it all. Dear Lord, I ask you right now that you fill each one of us with the power of the Holy Spirit that you allow us to be strong and courageous. That you set our remembrances in stone of who you are and what you've done and what you have promised. That you strengthen our faith in what you are going to do. And your Lord, you strengthen and you make steadfast our commitment to you in this coming year. To Lord, allow us to be the church that you have called us to be. Allow us to be your disciples. With a commitment and a strength that only you can give. To Lord, may we reach this community. May we reach our county and our state and our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless us. Bless this new year that is about to begin. And we ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.